This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hello. On today's episode, I want to talk about how your unique calling and answering your unique calling is a journey. So what do I mean when I say that answering your unique calling is a journey? Well, what I mean is that it's not something that we suddenly discover what we need to do, we do it and we're done, right? It's an ongoing process that continues throughout our lives. We're constantly refining our calling, gaining a deeper awareness of our calling, and taking steps to move into really, truly embodying that spiritual um, calling throughout our entire life. So it's not a straight line, point A to point B, and we hit a destination and we're done. Um, It's constantly evolving because this is our spiritual work that we're meant to do with our life here. And so obviously a lifetime work isn't something that you're going to suddenly discover what it is and get it done. The other thing about, so what are the things about your unique calling being a journey that I've found really interesting is that it's not always a straight line. Like we often think of answering our unique calling as being something that we're going to suddenly go on a meditation retreat. It's going to suddenly be revealed to us and we're going to go out and do it and get it done. And it doesn't really always work that way. It's often you know, our unique calling is something that we have had the right life experiences to enable us to fulfill our calling. And we've received the correct strengths and spiritual gifts in order to enable us to answer that calling. And so in order to gain those life experiences that are ultimately going to really enable us to answer, answer our unique calling, we need to probably have a variety of life experiences. And so the journey to answering your unique calling can sometimes kind of zigzag a bit. So from my own personal story, I'll tell a little bit of how my journey has zigzagged. Um, You know, I grew up in a fairly non-spiritual home, which was definitely a reaction to the fact that my grandmother on my mother's side was extremely religious and a Pentecostal um, Christian. And my mom er married at a very early age to get away from that. And so I grew up without a lot of spiritual um, guidance from my parents because they just weren't really connected to it and were sort of rebelling against it. So one of the things that my mother imparted in me, though, was a respect for nature as a sign of, of, of divinity. And as I got older, it sort of led me to really exploring nature and nature spirituality and goddess spirituality. Um, also, my grandmother, you know, the, the Pentecostal Christian, had this strong belief in the idea of a spiritual calling. And she always said that mine was to be in the ministry. 
And then later, as I got older, to be a teacher. And in particular, of course, she met a Bible teacher. So, you know, she was close. Um, And then my journey also sort of, so that kind of was the early foundations of like how my calling was starting to manifest and how people around me were sort of influencing my direction. And then I went to college and I studied fine art and I had planned to become a an art teacher and teaching in schools. And so I had this idea of where my calling was and I felt very connected to that calling. I really enjoyed my student teaching and how my students really lit up as they learned about art history, as they experimented with techniques themselves. And I, that, I found that very fulfilling. But then I kind of moved away from that into engineering, mainly out of financial and, you know, reasons. The schools were no longer offering art. I had, you know, some experience and some knowledge in computer engineering. And so I sort of moved that direction. And it was really sort of um, not necessarily going towards my calling. It was actually probably moving me somewhat away from it, but it was giving me those life experiences. I was learning how to solve problems. I was thinking about, you know, learning a lot of different skills. I was developing my, in particular, my leadership skills in that field and learning to really break problems down and communicate them well to other people, which is an important skill, both in teaching and coaching. Um, During that time as As an engineer, though, I also started to really dip my toe back in that like teaching area. And I was doing it primarily by teaching workshops around tarot and goddess spirituality and nature spirituality, attending festivals. And most of these were unpaid teaching that I was doing just for the benefit of the community that I was part of at the time. And so that kind of evolved and led me to eventually getting my yoga teacher certification and starting to teach yoga and movement as well as meditation and some of these other spiritual topics that I had been teaching previously for free um, at various yoga studios and wellness studios, you know, for pay. And that was really when I started my business, Priest of Inanna. Um, And then during that time of doing that work, I had a number of people say to me, oh, you, you know, I should hire you to be my coach. And I really didn't know anything about coaching at the time. I just had a number of people say that. Um, I also didn't know about human design at the time. And I didn't know that I was a manifesting generator who should respond to the things happening in life around them. And so I responded, even though I didn't know that that was a strategy that I should be employing. And I started to research life coaching and went to get my certification. So my journey towards answering my unique calling has zigzagged and made some detours, got on some tangents. So it hasn't, but it has never been, you know, point A to point B, I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to be done. And so my journey, your journey is often not going to be a straight line. It's going to sort of meander a bit. And that's okay because you're building these life experiences that are ultimately going to enable you to really step into answering your unique calling and doing the work that you're meant to be doing in this lifetime. Sometimes your journey to your unique calling is a circle. 
And what I mean by that is sometimes you kind of start to answer your calling and then you go in a different direction. And then later you kind of find yourself back in the same place that you were, but maybe in a different way. Obviously, you've developed your gifts, you've developed life experiences. That means that when you come back full circle to where you were before, you're no longer doing it in the same way. It's up leveled. And a lot of times that's kind of how this journey to answering our unique calling works is the, the, the road has a lot of bends and double backs and it almost seems like you're going in a circle sometimes, but each time you circle back, you've gained all this experience, all this ability, and you've sort of up-leveled what you're doing. And so for me, for instance, um, in 2002, um, a good friend of mine, Michael Lloyd and I started a spirituality festival, um, an outdoor festival with workshops and rituals and meditations and, and different things for um, gay and bisexual men. So I was doing a lot of work in the LGBTQ plus community. And I kind of moved away from that as I started to teach yoga and teach workshops to a wider art audience. And even when I launched my coaching practice, it had always been my intention to start to offer programs that were more specifically geared to, to the LGBTQ plus audience, but I hadn't done it yet. I started really with a much wider audience doing this work that I'm doing with this podcast around answering your unique calling and building your soulpreneur business that answers your unique calling. And recently, in responding to some things happening around me, I've started actually, I've launched my LGBTQ plus coaching programs and launched a separate website for my clients who are specifically interested in that type of work. And it's all connected to, to unique calling because the work that I do with the LGBTQ people um, involves also sort of up-leveling your experience, getting in touch with your inner wisdom and really stepping into the fullness of the work that we're meant to be doing here. So it's all related, but in many ways, some 20 years later, I've come full circle back to doing this work in, you know, with the with gay and bi men. Um, and so sometimes your journey has a lot of those switchbacks and it can seem like you're going in a circle or revisiting things that maybe you thought were you were done with or that they weren't really part of your calling. And sometimes the red forks and you can have new callings. So it's not unusual that your calling sort of changes completely uh, throughout your lifetime. And this is very normal as well. And I think it helps to give an example here. So my mother, when I was growing up, um, she was very involved in her raising her children. Um, my mother never worked outside of the home. Um, she didn't go to school. You know, she didn't go to college. Um, she had completed her high school education, but she never went to college. She never worked outside of the home. She was always home when we came, came home from school. And she always told people that it was her purpose in life to raise her children and enable them to be really amazing and go fulfill their dreams. And she really did that. Um, my mother divorced when I was in college. My youngest sister was in high school at the time. So she, you know, we were all pretty self-sufficient by the time that um, my parents divorced. And after my mother's divorce, um, she entered the working world for the first time in years. 
Um, and it was a hard transition for her. And as her kids started to get, you know, I graduated, moved on into my career. My youngest sister got her nursing degree, moved into her career. And I think that for a while, our mom really struggled with what is my purpose now that my children are raised, because she had always seen this as her life purpose, as her, her calling to raise her children. And my mother remarried. And shortly after they remarried, her new husband developed cancer. And my mother really sort of moved into taking care of her husband. My mother has always had always seen her purpose as is nurturing and caring for other people. So she took care of her husband. And when he lost his battle with cancer, um, my mother really struggled with knowing what to do with her life, what to do next, because she... I think had this belief that she had one calling and that was this nurturing and caring for people. And once she no longer had anyone immediately around her who needed nurtured and cared for, she really struggled with knowing what to do. And um, the, the sort of tragedy of it is my mother always wanted to be a writer and she never actually explored that or sat down and wrote. And my mother did write some letters to us as kids. Um, I have a baby book that my mother wrote a um, letter to her newborn son in, which is just really an amazing um, piece of writing and very inspirational. And she wrote a number of these kinds of letters to um, her kids. When she had her first surgery for cancer, she left letters with my aunt in case she didn't survive the surgery. Um, and after she passed away in 2013, our aunt gave us those letters and they were absolutely amazing. And so my mother never moved on and explored what her next calling was. And I really believe that it was a missed opportunity for her because I think that she could have really touched a lot of lives had she moved on to becoming a writer and answering her calling, you know, allowing her calling to evolve as her life moved through its various phases. And so, you know, I think it's just important to realize that your road is going to have forks. Your life is going to go through phases. And what is your calling in one phase of your life may not be your calling in a later phase. And in human design, we especially see this happen in people who have the six line in their profiles because of the way they live their life in phases, you know, be living sort of as a three line up until the age of 28 at their Saturn return. And then from that time of their Saturn return to um, about 50 during their Chiron return, they sort of withdraw a little bit, you know, using the house um, analogy that's often used to explain the lines. We call it going up on the roof when the sixth line sort of withdraws and integrates everything that they learned through that period of living as a three line and really experimenting and learning through trial and error. And then after 50, they sort of really come out to like share that wisdom and, you know, really um, be a role model to other people. And so a six line is a great example of this idea of having forks in the roads and the way that your calling can really shift as your life moves through different phases. I think another aspect of this idea of your unique calling being a journey is that a lot of people think that they have to know the final destination. What is my unique calling like in black and white? Where, how do I just go do this thing? And oftentimes the journey doesn't always have a final destination. It just has a direction. 
So we know the general way that we need to go. We know generally what we need to be doing, but we don't always know the details. We don't always know the destination. It's sort of like taking a road trip where you don't really have a specific place you're going. You're just maybe driving west and exploring. And that's very much how answering your um, unique calling in throughout your life is, is that you have generally a direction, not necessarily a destination. And I always like to incorporate human design into what I'm doing. And so people with an undefined G-Center especially really struggle with this idea of knowing the direction they need to go, of knowing the destination, of really understanding what their calling is. And so for people with that undefined G-Center, sometimes it's just a matter of figuring out what's the next direction. What's, you know, maybe it's, maybe I go west today and tomorrow I go north and that's okay because they don't have consistent energy in that in that center. And so it's just all about what's the current aligned direction for me. And that's and that's largely how answer your unique calling is, even for people who have definition there. Sometimes just knowing the direction or what the next step is is more important than knowing what the final destination is. So when you're thinking about unique calling as a as a journey and you're starting to set out on this journey or put your feet to the path. How can you know that you're heading the right direction? How can you know that you're going the right way on this journey? So I think that there's really um, two main ways that you can do this. And the first is leveraging your human design. So in, in particular, your human design, looking at your energy type and strategy. So how do you sort of determine if a direction is aligned for you. And strategy is really how that happens in human design. So generators and manifesting generators respond to cues from outside of themselves to figure out the next um, step to take on that journey to answer their unique calling. Sort of like I did when people said to me, oh, I want to hire you to be my coach or you'd make a great coach before I even knew what coaching really was as a profession. You know, I responded to that which is my strategy, and that led me in the right direction. So, you know, really tuning into that strategy and using it to sort of figure out where do I need to go next on this journey to answering my unique calling. And then leveraging the other piece is leveraging your authority. And authority in human design is how we make our ultimately make our decisions. And it's not something totally separate from strategy. It modifies strategy. So strategy always comes first. We top into our strategy and we say, yes, this is the right direction according to my strategy. And then we sort of run it by authority and see. And so what that looks like is if you have an authority that is very spontaneous, such as sacral authority or splenic authority, then pretty much in the moment, if your strategy says it's a go and everything feels good, go, it's it's an aligned direction and you should take that action. For people with emotional authority, where we gain clarity over time, it means really allowing our emotional wave to resolve and over time continuing to tune into that strategy. So if the strategy says yes tomorrow, yes tomorrow, the day after, yes the day after, it's yes. If it says yes today, no tomorrow, yes the day after, it's probably a no because what we're looking for is consistency of the cue to go in a certain direction. And so that's the way that authority sort of modify strategy. And obviously those people with outer authorities um, 
such as the projectors who have this, what I call the sounding board or environmental authority, where you um, talk it out with a group of trusted advisors um, or reflectors who have lunar authority. Again, it's all about, does it change when you tap into your authority or does it still feel aligned like it did before you sort of ran it by the authority? Um, and so the first step to sort of knowing which direction to go on your journey is leveraging your human design, tuning into that strategy, running it by authority, and making sure that it feels aligned for you. And then the other part is tapping into your inner wisdom. And, you know, another name for that is your intuition, really that that part of us that just knows knows inherently which way we need to go, that part that's really tuned into our higher self, to our spiritual nature, and directs us in that sort of small, quiet voice. And a lot of people struggle with tapping into their intuition. And that's because I think that we don't teach people how to use it reliably. Like intuition in popular culture is represented as this thing that is really unreliable, right? Like it's, it works sometimes, but not all the time. And it just happens to be, you know, out of the blue, we get this intuitive hit. Well, you can train your intuition to work all of the time. And that, and you have, but you have to practice at it. You have to use it regularly. And so there are four main steps to take to train your intuition to always give you advice when you need it. The first is you have to ask the question. You can't get an answer from your intuition if you don't ask it. So the first step is to just ask your intuition a question. Second, oh, and open-ended questions work best for intuition. Second is collect the messages that your intuition sends. So intuition often speaks in symbols. And so we get symbols. And this is often where people sort of lose the thread of working with their inner knowing is they get a, get a message they don't understand and they just assume that they made it up or that it came from their mind or it's all in their head and they ignore it. So if you don't understand, so the way intuition works is you get this message, maybe you don't understand it, ask a follow-up question, ask again, ask, you know, so maybe you ask a, ask a question and you get a color and you don't understand what this color means. So then you say to your intuition, why are you showing me red, for instance? And then you get another symbol and then maybe you go back to the intuition. And so it's this back and forth dialogue that you need to have with your intuition, with your inner knowing um, to really sort of get clarity and get more details. Because as you continue to ask, your intuition will surface these things and you will start to build a bigger picture. And so this is something that you need to practice. And one of the important things is a lot of times people don't ask their intuition a question until it's really dire, right? Like we wait until we really need to know. And then we ask our intuition for something. And that's not a good time to practice your intuition. The best time to practice your intuition is on the small stuff. If you can tune your intuition and really get in tune with asking it questions when you need a parking space, you're gonna be much more connected to it when you need to make a big decision. 
And then finally, I think the last thing that I think really helps you decide what direction to go on next in your journey is ask yourself in, for every action that you're going to take this question, does this bring out the best in me and does it elevate those around me? Because remember, our unique calling comes from that spiritual contract that we made when we came here. It's about service to spirit and evolving the humanity, the consciousness of humankind. And so our unique calling isn't going to take us in directions that mean living unauth unauthentically, showing up smaller than we are, or bringing out the negative aspects of ourselves. And it's also not going to tear down others, judge others, or harm harm the planet. So there are all these you know, things that those are obvious warnings that maybe we're not going in the right direction on our journey to unique calling. If we're tearing down others, if we're making ourselves appear smaller than we are, if we're showing up small. Um, so ask yourself, for any action that you're contemplating or direction that you're going, does this bring out the best in me and does it elevate those around me? And so just sort of recap, answering your unique calling is a journey, not a destination. That journey often isn't a straight line. Sometimes it zigzags, sometimes it doubles back and it brings you full circle. And sometimes the red forks in your calling can change as each phase of your life changes. And the best way to figure out what direction or what fork to take next in the road is to leverage your human design. Tap into your intuition and ask yourself, does this bring out the best in me and does it elevate those around me? You can reach me on the web at www.priestofinana.com. That's www.priestofinana, I-N-A-N-N-A, Dot com. I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Priest of Inanna. Thank you and bright blessings. Are you a soulpreneur? You've answered your unique calling by starting a spirituality-based business. Maybe now you find yourself overwhelmed. There's so much to do for your business and so many things you've never done before that you need to learn how to do. With an ever-growing to-do list, you may feel like you'll never get everything done. Decisions become complicated and you may feel like you need to work all the time. Even worse, our old friend imposter syndrome hooks his head up. You struggle with your pricing and every business coach on the planet wants to sell you a marketing system. I've been there. It's why I've created my Soulpreneur Energetic Success Program. This coaching program helps you use your human design storytelling, ritual, and transformational coaching to build your soulpreneur business. Discover how to make the best decisions for you, how to find the most aligned action to take, overcome imposter syndrome, confidently charge what your services are worth, and move forward with ease and grace. Visit my website, www.priestofanana.com to schedule a free intro call.